I want you to understand it. Uh, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a sheepdog. All right? He's the shepherd, and he's the one that comes in. He feeds you, and he leads you, and he loves on you. And I'm the sheepdog. My job's come in and nip at your heels and get you back in line. Amen? And so uh, I, I preach those kind of messages because uh, I believe our churches need to be stirred up. Amen? I don't believe our churches are full of bad people. Bad people are out there. This is not the drunkards, this is not the druggies, this is not that crowd, though they're all welcome here, amen. Uh, But what we are is we're good people that we're just not stirred up like we ought to be, amen. And we've just become comfortable, we've just settled in. God talks about woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. The Christian life is not supposed to be a life of ease. He talks about the dregs, Israel had become the dregs. What does that mean? They'd settled down. If you have some orange juice in your refrigerator and uh, you pull it out and the pulp's in the bottom, you're not going to drink it that way. That's not acceptable. So you're going to shake up that and get that pulp back up in there and get that stirred back up so you can drink it. That's tasteful of you. When you and I get settled in and get settled in ease and when we get settled down, it's not pleasing to the Lord. And we can't see God's greatest work. Not we don't see God's work. God is always faithful and works. But really, Casey, just imagine what God would do at this church if everybody got on fire. If everybody got stirred up. If everybody got a passion and a zeal. And, you know, and, and, and by himself and by yourself, you can't do much. We need to understand the importance of every member to the body of Christ. I'm telling you what, the Bible says striving together. That means wrestling together. You know, uh, I don't know how many people I led to the Lord in 26 years of pastoring. I didn't keep track of it. God's got those numbers, amen. If you want to keep track of it, go ahead. But I didn't. But I know this. I didn't win all the people to Christ. My folks led people to Christ. And if my folks had not led people to Christ, our church would not have grown like it did. Had the blessing of starting with four men and, and four of their wives who were absolute soul winners. And in one year, we went from 20 people to 176 people. How did that happen? Because of me? No. It happened because of us being used of God. It happened because of Him, but it happened because we all did our part. And, and, and you know what? We, we know what we ought to do. We, we, we want to do it, but somehow we don't just step up and do it. And I really want to encourage you to do that tonight. And so, you know, I preach a lot on soul winning. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 18 with me, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 18. Well, you said, why do you preach so much on soul winning? Because I believe it's the heartbeat of God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to make a statement here before I read this passage. I don't want you to get mad, but there's something more important to God than you being saved. Now, he's glad you're saved. And at one time, you're in the category of what I'm talking about. But there's something more important tonight to God than you being saved. There's something more important to God tonight than you being in church. There really is. Huh? Not the Super Bowl, no. And so Matthew chapter 18, stand with me if you would please to the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 11. Matthew 18 verse 11, look what the Bible says. It says, for the Son of Man is come to what? To save that which was lost. 
And then Jesus goes on with this story, this parable. Look what he says. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the, mount, in, into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, that he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of ninety and nine which went not astray. Look what he says. I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. What God is more concerned about tonight is he's concerned about the lost people that are out there in the wilderness that need to be saved. That's what's most important to God tonight. Not that you are in our church, though that is important. But God is a God of priorities just like we should be a people of priority. We need to find out what God's priorities are. And God is a God of balance, and we have trouble staying balanced because we believe that balance means I just give everything the same priority. But that is not balance at all. Uh, balance is when you get everything in its proper priority. And so God is concerned about you and I being in this matter of reaching souls. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you tonight, and I sure beg you for your help. Thank you for these dear folks being here tonight. And what a good church. And thank you for Brother Casey and just his faithfulness to you and, and the blessings you're pouring out here. And I'm excited, Lord, about what this church is doing, and I'm excited about what this church can do. And I believe, as the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I would hope, dear God, that these folks could get a vision of what you want to do and a vision of what you can do and a vision of what they can do for you. And dear Heavenly Father, there's nobody in here tonight that is great. There's nobody in here tonight that has a lot to give you. But you don't need a lot. You just need what we have. And I pray, God, that you'll stir us tonight. Please help me. Father, I'll give you all the glory and praise. I know, Lord, that I'm nothing and I'm weak tonight. I need your help. Please help him. Please meet with us and speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me now, if you would, very quickly. You may be seated. Turn with me now over to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. And I just want to just speak tonight on soul winning. It's an old subject, but it's still the main business. Soul winning is the main business. Here we said in our passage, we just read, The Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. Jesus came to seek and save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am of chief. Jesus didn't come down upon this earth for many of the things that you and I enjoy were given to us, but he didn't come down here for that purpose mainly. He didn't leave heaven, leave the riches of heaven, to come down here so you and I could have these, these frivolous things of life and so that you and I could, uh, could enjoy all that life has to offer. He gave us life and gave it more abundantly and never take anything away from the blessings that God has given to us. But again, we're talking about priority tonight, the priority of keeping the first thing first. And with the Christian, the first thing is to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, with all thy heart, and all thy mind. Amen? And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And in loving your neighbor, I would think that that means you don't want your neighbor to die and go to hell. And we say, I love my neighbor, but we're not concerned about their soul, and we're not concerned about the most important part of our neighbor, because it's the soul that is most important. Amen? 
The soul is the eternal part of man, the, the part that is going to go spend eternity in hell or in heaven. Now the body's going to join it, amen. But it's the soul that God was concerned about. And so we need, to, we need to understand that God's passion tonight is that everybody hear the gospel. God's passion tonight, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, He's not willing that any should perish. In our passage of Scripture that we just read, He said in verse 14, we didn't read it, Even so it is not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. You know, there's not a child on the face of planet earth living today that God wants to go to hell. You know, there's not a person. I, I drove today on the way here again, and I, I used to run the bus route out of, of Second Baptist Church, and I used to go up into Her, Herculaneum, and then I went up into Kemswick and Peavely and went on up into Arnold and crossed the highway and then came back down on the other side to Imperial and went up the windswept hill and over there by the, by the uh, crossed at Richardson Road and went over by the ballpark. And as I drove there coming in today, I looked at all the houses that have built up in there and all that's going on. I looked at all those apartment buildings, three- and four-story apartment buildings on this side of the road and that side of the road, and I looked at all the furniture on the balconies and I looked at all the cars in the parking lot, and I thought, dear God in heaven, there is so much to do. There are so many people here, and there are so few of them that are in church tonight and so few of them that were in church this morning and so few of them that have any idea uh, probably have never even heard a clear presentation of the gospel and god in heaven you're not willing that any of these should perish but that all should hear the gospel and the bible says in romans chapter 10 whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved but how can they call on him and who have not believed how can they believe in him who have not heard and how can they hear without a preacher and you know what those people out there are never going to get saved unless you and i get busy in this matter of sharing the gospel of jesus christ with the lost and dying world god didn't save us so we could go to heaven only saved us so we could go to heaven and we could take others to heaven with us we had a, a missionary who was a, a doctor a medical doctor and he, he was an emergency room doctor in philadelphia god called him to preach he came to our church uh, called him the mission field to go to the country of cambodia came to our church and he said that you know that as a doctor he was given the training to know how to save a person's life. And as, a, as a, a staff member on a hospital, he was given all the equipment, all the tools he needed to keep somebody from dying. So if a man came in, he could recognize if he had heart problems or a heart attack and he had the equipment. And not always can you keep somebody alive, but he said if it was a case where I should have kept the man alive, I had the knowledge and I had the tools. And he said, you know, if I did not use the knowledge and the tools that I had to keep that man alive, they would charge me with medical malpractice. They would charge me with being incompetent and, and malpractice. And he said, if I did it on purpose, I knew what I was doing. And I just intentionally didn't put into practice what I knew. I could be charged with criminal malpractice. And I wonder what God's going to charge you and I with when we stand before him in heaven and we have a neighbor that's on his way to, and ends up in hell. And God says, you knew how to be saved. And you had the tools. Brother Casey said he taught you the Romans road here. Amen. You have no excuse for not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to get busy in this matter of sharing the, our faith with people. Listen, God's work is not suffering because God made a mistake. God will never fail. 
God will never fail. He said, go, uh, go, go teach the gospel to every creature, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. God will always be there. The Holy Spirit will always be there. God will always do His part. God never fails. But I have failed. And oh, have I failed. So many times I've failed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with my family and my friends and my fellow man. And we need to get busy about this matter of winning souls. There ought to be people in this church tonight that we are reaching for the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't build the church by sitting a sign out on the road. God's method was never to put a sign out. God's method was never music. He chose the preaching the, uh, preaching of the gospel, amen? And the gospel is the power of God's salvation. And we have left God's method, God to man's method, and I doubt very many of those people are truly saved. For if you got them with music, you didn't get them with the gospel. Amen. You know what? God's business has always been God's people taking the salvation that they receive and going out and sharing it with those who don't have it. Hey, by the way, if you're saved, you know how to tell somebody how to get saved. You know what? One of the greatest tools you got is your testimony. The Apostle Paul very rarely shared any scripture when he was leading somebody to the Lord. Study the life of Paul. He went out and said, you know what? I was, driving, I was walking down the road to Damascus one day. I saw a bright light. I heard a voice hearing, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee kicking a sprig. And I looked up and I was Jesus Christ. I said, uh, uh, who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus Christ and thou persecute. What wilt thou have me to do? And he says, I got saved on the road to Damascus. And the Jesus I once rejected, I've now received. The Jesus I once mocked, he's now my master. The Jesus I once, once tried to put people in prison for. I now preach him and give your testimony. Hey, what happened to you? Man, is powerful. I was a sinner on my way to hell, lost. I didn't know how to get to heaven. And one day Jesus Christ showed me that I needed to trust him. I trusted him as my Savior. And I'm born again. You can see people saved. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I tell you what, if I can lead somebody to Christ, you can lead somebody to Christ. I remember when he came here. I was a thumb-sucking thumb introvert. I grew up in a town of 1,200 people. I knew everybody in that town, but I was so introverted and shy. If I was walking down the street on this side of the street, and I saw somebody coming a block away, and I knew who they were, I'd cross over to the other side so I didn't have to look them in the eye and talk to them. And when the Lord began to deal with my heart about soul winning, and I began to get a burden and a passion for people, and at the age of 10, I got a burden for my friends, and I didn't know how to witness to them. And, and I tried to talk to him. I didn't know how. Nobody had ever taught me. And I did my best. And then it was several years. I was 25 years of age. And our preacher in Osage City, Kansas, had Brother Maury Gibson come in, preach a revival. Brother Maury took Rachel where she said to Jacob, Give me children lest I die. And he preached about that's burden, having a burden of have children for Jesus Christ. By the way, the Bible says in Romans that you have been taken from your first spouse and you have been espoused or, or met wed to another that you might bring forth fruit unto Christ. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Amen. Did you know you are barren and unfruitful if you've never led anybody to Christ? Proverbs 11.30 is my life's birth. Uh, the, uh, the, tree of, uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of a righteous tree of life. The fruit of a woman is another, another human being. 
And the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. And if I have not led anybody to Christ, I am a barren, unproductive Christian. And I'm not trying to be mean, but we have people in our church who've been saved for 60 years and they never led anybody to Christ. I never thought my daddy would let anybody to Christ, but I was just talking to him on the phone. And he's talking to me about the day somebody came and pulled over by the road and talked to my dad. And my dad said, you know, what you need is Jesus Christ. My dad witnessed to him. That guy got on his knee right beside his truck on the side of the highway and asked Christ to come in heart and save him. And I was so excited that my daddy had told somebody about Jesus Christ and led him to Christ. I'm so dead. Uh, That song, must I go in empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? I don't want to stand before my Savior and have to look him in the face and say, Lord, I never led anybody to you. Lord, I never talked to anybody about you. Lord, I never got in this business of sharing the, the greatest news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is good news, amen. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. We're not out trying to sell somebody something. We're not out trying to hurt somebody. We're not trying to give people something bad. We're out there to give them the best news there ever was that hell is real, heaven is real, and you can go to heaven instead of hell. And we ought to be about the business of winning and souls to Christ. Amen. What's most important to God is that the lost be found and brought into the fold. God tonight doesn't look down at my bank account and say, boy, I'm real happy you got $100,000, which I don't. Before I got that, check, that, that offering from the ladies from the school the other day, I had $49 in my account. Hey, my bills were paid. That drives some of you crazy. It drives you bonkers to only have $49 to your name. I'm not trying to be mean. You know, I'd rather be in the center of God's will doing God's work and have $49 than to be doing little or nothing for the Lord and have a million. Amen. And I'm the worst of the worst. Take your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Chapter 4 and verse 19. And he saith unto them, Follow me. And, what are the next two words? I will what? Fishers of men. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Is Jesus a liar? Can I say this to you then? Don't, don't get mad at me. But if he hasn't made you a fisherman, then you're not following him. I'm not trying to be mean. I know these messages aren't easy. But I'm telling you what, you are going to stand before God someday. And when you stand before God someday, you'll have no excuse. I preach a sermon, excuses, excuses everywhere, but none of them will work. Well, Lord, but... Can I say this to you tonight? Anytime you have to say but, you already know you're wrong. When you use the word but, you're always admitting you're guilty. But. Well, I know I ought to win souls, but. I know I ought to read my Bible, but. Now, I like it when God butts in, amen. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But when you and I start butting in, you know what we're doing? We're cutting off God and telling God why we can't do what God told us to do. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, dear friend. If you've been saved very long and you have not told somebody about Jesus Christ, you've not seen 
And, 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 and I don't, I'm not big on numbers, okay? And I'm not, I'm not you know what? I, the first thing I did, Brother Casey, just asked God to let me lead somebody to Christ. Just, Lord, let me lead somebody to you. I just want to lead somebody to you. And I got to do that. I got to lead a, a high school senior in a public school to Christ. Amen. And then I got the passion for having more souls. I tell you what, I came here to Second Baptist, and Brother Barton used to put out these visitors' cards. I love those visitors' cards. You go knock on the door, and about 95% of them weren't home. And so you just write on the back, NH, or not home, and turn into Brother Barton. And one night we came in for soul winning, and Brother Barton, there was nothing on the table, Brother Case. I don't know if you remember this, but there's nothing on the table. And I'm sitting there looking, where are the visitors' cards? And there was nothing there, and he got up and he said, tonight I didn't put any visitor's cards out because tonight we're going to go soul winning. You know, here's what everybody's going to do. Everybody's going to grab a pocket full of tracks, and everybody's going to find you a street, and you're going to walk, go, and you're going to knock every door on that street. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, Brother Casey, my knees were shaking together like that. And I was going with my sweet, precious wife, and she's a wonderful gal, but she is, she's got more character than I do, and she's got more backbone than I do, and she's got more uh, justness to her than I do. Uh, if, if you're told to do something, you do it. And I'm trying to worm my way out of this, man. I mean, I'm trying everywhere I can. And finally, we go to the street, and I looked at the street, and I found this street, and it had one light on in the whole block. It was that one block dead end. Amen? I'm just telling you the truth. One block dead in, there was one light clear down at the end on. I thought, here's where I'm stopping. I pulled the car in. I jumped out. I thought, shoo, glory to God, nobody's home. I knocked on the first door. Nobody home. Set a track on the door. Knocked on the second door. Nobody home. Set a track. Knocked on the third door. And when we got to the end, I just kept watching my watch. Kept, I kept walking real slow. You know what I'm talking about? And watching my watch and watching my watch. And finally got to be about 8.15. I thought, glory to God, I've wasted enough time. I said, let's go home. And she said, no, what about that house right there? They've got their lights on. And Brother Barton said to knock every door in the block. And we're not leaving until you knock that door. About that time, I felt my hands wanting to grab her neck and begin to squeeze the life out of her. I thought myself, now, woman, it's time for you to shut up. That's what I thought, amen. I'm talking about, dear friend, I'm talking about a person here that the hardest thing in the world that I ever do is talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. But I got saved when I was five years of age. And I got the Holy Ghost living in me. And no matter how much I try, I cannot shut the Holy Spirit up. The Holy Spirit kept convicting me and kept convicting me and kept convicting me, kept convicting me. I heard good preaching and kept convicting me that I need to be busy about this matter of telling people how to be saved. I like what Dr. Bob Gray, Longview, Texas says, if you can't get a big one, go get a little one. Amen. You know what? Children will listen to you. Amen. Lead a child to the Lord. By the way, D.L. Moody was at a meeting and, he, and they came home and his wife said, how did go? He said, we had two and a half saved. He said, oh, two adults and one, one man. He said, no, one man and two children because the children have all their life left. Yet left. Amen. Tell somebody about Jesus. God's not willing that any should go to, go to hell, that all, should come, uh, that all should come to repentance. And so he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Can I tell you what's killing the Lord's work? What's killing the Lord's work is that we're just not doing it. He's burdened there's lots to do. The harvest is plenteous. He's burdened that there are few labors, but the labors are few. 
He's burdened that there's little time. Say you're not there yet four months and then come. I say look on the fields there wide already. He's burdened that there are so few who care. Say you not there are four months manana. When I get done doing everything I got to do, it'll be okay. They can wait. 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 Yeah, and they'll wait and you'll wait until they die and go to hell. And then you'll say to yourself, I wish I'd have talked to him about the Lord. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm the biggest sinner. Had a lady in my church named Evelyn Gilpin was constantly coming to me with people's names. Preacher, this person's in the hospital. You go visit them. This person in the hospital. You go visit them. This person in the hospital. Go visit them. And I did go visit some, but some of them I never visited. And they died and went to hell. Because it wasn't as concerned about that as I was about taking care of the church building. I wasn't as concerned about that as I was about doing my to-do list that I'd written down for every day. I worried about taking care of my house and taking care of my yard and taking care of the church and, and taking care of the bus and taking care of painting this and taking care of mowing that and taking care of that. And by the way, your preacher shouldn't have to be doing any of that stuff. His job is prayer and the ministry of the Word. Amen. Amen. And anything that keeps him from doing prayer and the ministry of the Word, he shouldn't be doing. And one of you men ought to stand up and say, look, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. Amen. Good preaching. Yes. Why are you muzzling your ox so he can't get any work done? Amen. And I don't know if he does anything around here or not. Probably doesn't. Just sits around like a bump on a log. Amen. But if he's having to do the work that you should do, you ought to step up and do it. My good friend Ron Gare said, look me in my God-given eyeball. Run into my fist going 90 mile an hour. You know what? We don't like to hear the truth. Some of us got such a bad attitude about God's way. It, it bothers me. I go around the country and I can see them the way they look at me when I preach. I got a bad attitude about God's plan, God's way. I tell you something, God is right and we are wrong. When you are ever opposite of God, you're the one wrong, not God. God's never wrong. Amen. About time you quit being a big hot shot thinking you know more than God does. Nobody in here knows more than God. I don't know more than God. I don't know hardly anything. My brother Casey, when I was young, I thought I had all the answers. Now I know I haven't even heard all the questions. I love to get around these young preachers, amen. I try to tell them something, they start running their mouth, I just shut up. I don't need to tell you anything, you know it all. Amen. Isn't that sad? We need to be in this business of fishing for men. I love this song. There's peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on his table, no one turned away. There's singing and laughter as the hours pass by. But the hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go to work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table. But no one wants to work in my field. You know, there is no commandment in the Bible that says for you and I to sit, soak, and sour. But there is a commandment to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you'll follow me, Jesus said, I will make you fishermen. Let's talk a little bit this evening about that. Back years ago, Ronald Q. Lavelle took a survey of American churches. Here's what he found out. 20% of American Christians never pray. 25% of American Christians never read their Bibles. 
30% of American Christians never attend church. These are people that profess to be church members and Christians. 40% never give to any cause. 50% never go to Sunday school. By the way, can I say something to you? We don't have Sunday school for just a few people who need it. Sunday school is for everybody. Amen. You know what? I wouldn't miss no more miss Sunday school than I'd miss the Sunday morning service. I had some folks in my church, they thought Sunday school was for children. What a sad thing. 60% never attend Sunday evening. Thank God you're here. But you're rare. Many Baptist churches have closed their Sunday evening service. They even closed their Wednesday night service. You want to know why? Church has been canceled due to lack of interest. We ought to write that on our, on our church door, out, on our signs outside. Church has been canceled on Sunday night due to lack of interest. Church has been canceled on Wednesday due to lack of interest. Can I tell you what's so all far important that you're going to miss preaching? Amen. Hey, when you, get, when you get to heaven, tell it to Jesus. Well, Jesus, you know, I had to play golf. And it just ran over a little bit, so I couldn't make it to church. I'm so old-fashioned, it's terrible. When I was a kid growing up, they didn't have stuff open on Sunday. When I came to Festus, they didn't have anything open on Sunday except grocery stores and gas stations. And the first year I was here, they did away with that. Now everything's open. Now Sunday's no longer the Lord's day. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, dear friend. 70% never give to missions. Now, you understand, this is the whole gamut of Christianity. 80% never go to midweek service. And listen to this statement. 95% never win a soul to Christ. Have you ever led anybody to Christ? Have you personally, I'm not, yet I'm not trying to embarrass you, have you personally ever led anybody to Christ? I can tell you there's no greater joy. No greater joy than being able to say to somebody, would you like to go to heaven when you die? Sure would. Can I show you from the Bible how you can go to heaven? Sure you can. Take it through the scriptures. Say, do you understand? Yes, I do. Would you like to accept Christ as Savior? I sure would. See them bow their head and pray and ask Christ to come in their heart. And he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. I don't know anything that brings more joy. By the way, I just had a grandson born this past month. And there's no, hardly anything more joyful than when a baby is born. When life is given. And you know what babies do? Babies make everybody happy. You get a bunch of baby Christians in here, and it sure, it sure excites things, doesn't it? Amen. I mean, everybody gets happy. So, hey, new, new people. Oh, you got saved this week. That's so wonderful. That's how you keep your church excited, by keeping people coming to Christ as Savior. If you don't have new souls being saved, you know what happens to your church? Your church becomes grouchy and crotchety. Amen. It does. It's dead. It's stagnant. There's nothing moving. Amen. Should be souls being saved every week of every ministry's life. And when there's not, you know, I got I got so bold, Brother Casey, as my goal as a pastor was to win one person to Christ every week. That's not a big goal, folks. That's a pretty small goal, but I don't have much of I don't have much confidence in Ted Houston. Boy, I'm telling you, Brother Casey, a week I didn't win anybody to Christ. I was on my face. Dear God, please, I'm so sorry. 
surely I could tell one person about you and see them come to know Christ as Savior. Surely there's one person in, in 39, 40,000 people that wants to know how to go to heaven. And surely, God, I can go out here and find somebody. And surely I can do that. Well, there needs to be something burning in our heart to be fishers of men. How many of you men in here like to go fishing? Okay, a few. I hate fishing. You want to know why I hate fishing? Because I never catch anything. Amen. And I go fishing. I went fishing one time with George Gilpin in our church. He took me over to a pond in Russellville, Kansas. And we were out there fishing, and I threw a line in, and it hit, and I pulled up this big old catfish. Man, uh, I'm going to tell a fish story now. His head about that wide, and he's about that long. And I'm getting ready to pull him up to the bank, and just as I get him up to the bank, he flips his tail and got away. And George would about kill me, man. I never seen somebody mad in my life. He never took me fishing again. Never, because I let that fish get away. I don't like fishing, but my daddy loves fishing. When I was a boy, we'd go to the lake. My daddy would get together with his buddies, and they'd get on that boat, and they'd get on that boat, and they'd go out early, early morning, and they'd fish. They'd come in and eat breakfast, and they'd go back out after breakfast, and they'd come in and eat lunch, and they'd go back after lunch, and, they'd, and then they'd go out after supper. They would go out and fish till about midnight, and then come back in, sleep, and then get up early in the morning and go out and fish. And Man, they were just fishing fools, amen? And you and I need to become fishers of men. And so let me just give you some things to help you tonight very quickly, if I could. And I want to tell you what. The, the Lord gave us the goal to reach the world. It's really not that big a goal. If you do the math, start with a thousand Christians. Start with a thousand Christians and have each one of them win somebody to Christ that year. That would be two thousand Christians. And have each of those two thousand win a person to Christ the next year. That'll be four thousand. And have those four thousand each win somebody to Christ the next year. That'll be eight thousand. And you can evangelize the world in less than fifty years. How's come the world is dying and going to hell? It's not because God gave us an impossible task. If you took everybody in here tonight, let's say there's 50, 60 people here in this room right here tonight. If you took these 60 and you all led 60 to Christ this year, that'd be 120. And if you all led, uh, all 120 led somebody to Christ next year, it'd be 240. And, and see where your church is going? And if all 240 of you led somebody to Christ, that'd be 480. And, if all, and that means you only have to win one a year. I'm talking about every person just has to win one a year. 480 becomes 960, and 960 becomes 1920, and 1920, and you do the math, and figure out what the, uh, the uh, population of Festus, Missouri is, and probably in less than a decade, you could reach the whole city of Festus if everyone was just out fishing. Just go fishing. Hey, man, just, yeah, just go fishing. Let me give you some things about fishing for men, and I hope it'll be a help to you tonight. Number one, there are still fish to be caught. There are still fish to be caught. Matthew chapter 9, he looked on the multitudes and he said, The harvest truly is plenteous. I want to say to you, there is no shortage of fish. No shortage of fish. Driving around this area, I thought to myself, right over here, there's a little road goes down in there, some kind of a subdivision. Right back down the road here, there was another subdivision. I went by a place called Cedar Ridge or something. I drove through Z coming up this morning, and on every side of the road, here's a subdivision, 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 subdivision. As I'm driving down 55 Highway, I see all these three-story houses from the back. I used to run into a, a parked-in area, and I used to run into a, up there where the Cozarts 
folks live. And I used to run my bus up in all that windswept hill. And, and, and I looked over there by that Legion's baseball field. We used to pick up a little girl in a trailer park there. Her daddy was a hell's angel motorcycle rider. And, and I looked at all that. And there's houses everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I just can't find any fish. Well, there's fish everywhere. There's no shortage of fishing. Amen. And the, 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 fishermen love. They see fish. They get where the fish are. Number two, one can go fishing and never catch anything. But one cannot catch anything without going fishing. Now, I've gone many a time soul winning and didn't lead anybody to Christ. I've gone many times and knocked many doors and walked away and not one person would let me talk to them about Jesus Christ. I've had doors slammed in my face. I've had people look out the window and, and I'd show them a gospel track and have them shake their head. I've had people just not answer the door. I've had some folks, I'd get, they talk to them, they're very cordial. When I ask them if I can show them how to go to heaven, I don't have time for that right now. I've done that. But I tell you what, there's some times, where, but you're not going to catch anybody if you don't go fishing. You can go fishing and not catch anybody, but you can't catch anybody if you don't go fishing. Listen, God has given us a commandment to do it. By the way, if you love me, Keep my commandments. I'm convicted so often about how little I love the Lord. Because if I loved the Lord, I would be keeping His commandments. Number one, there are still fish to be caught. Number two, one can go fishing and never catch anything. But one cannot catch anything without going fishing. Number three, a good fisherman will go where the fish are. A good fisherman will go where the fish are. Can I tell you there's no fish in here? If I ask you tonight how many of you saved, I think 100% would raise your hand. So we can't win anybody to Christ in here. Just one of our fallacies. We think we're going to win folks to Christ in the church. I, I, I read a book. Uh, I was trying to get my master's degree. I gave up on that because I don't like theologians. Theologians spend 250 pages using big words to accomplish nothing. Amen. So the first book I had, Brother Casey, was The Theology of Missiology. Does anybody in here know what that is? I didn't know either. When I looked at it, I thought, what in the world is this? That simply means the study of missions. Why didn't they just say a study of missions? The theology of missiology. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And here was the, here was the controversy. Is missions centrifugal? Or centrifugal. What does centrifugal mean? It comes from the outside to the inside. What is centrifugal? It comes from the inside to the outside. And so this guy spends eight chapters of theological speak talking about, you know, this big argument is whether we're supposed to take the gospel out there or whether they're going to come to us. I read the first chapter and I said, I already settled that. I took my Bible and went over to Mark 16, 15, and I said to the book, because I was talking to the author who wasn't there, amen, but I still wanted to make my point to him. You ever do anything like that? I said, my Bible says, go ye into all the world. It doesn't say, go ye into the church. Go into the world and preach the gospel. I settled it that quick. It's not real difficult. Amen. You've got to go where the fish are. They're everywhere. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. When I was pastoring, 
If I wanted to win people to Christ, I had to get out of my office. But as you're a layman, you don't have to get out of anything to go soul winning. You have lost people at your job. You have lost people at the grocery store. You have lost friends. You have lost family. You're in a ready-made soul winning opportunity. My wife works at a public school. You know, public schools are terrible places, Brother Casey. No, they're not. And one of the problems we've done is we have surrendered the public school to Satan. And one of the problems we don't understand, well, you can't talk about Jesus, but you can talk about Jesus. And my wife talks about Jesus. And by the way, if you lose your job, God's big enough to give you another job, isn't he? Amen. And you know what she found out by talking about Jesus? She found out there's some other teachers there that know Jesus. And you know that she talking about Jesus has encouraged other teachers to talk about Jesus. And you know, the other day a little boy died and the teacher came up to him and said, Son, I know you're hurt about your daddy and I know you're crying and it hurts, but you know where your daddy went. He was a Christian. You got to go where the fish are. You know what? Look, go out here to the rich. Jesus said, Take the gospel to every creature. Go to the rich. Go to the poor. If you can't find anybody rich that wants to hear it, go find somebody halt, lame, blind, maimed. Amen? If you can't find them in the city and the streets, go into the highways and the hedges. I got news for you. Poor people will listen. They won't put a whole lot of money in your offering plate. And that's why a lot of churches aren't going after them. Oh, by the way, some of them don't smell too good. Some of them don't behave too well either. And some of them might have the wrong colored skin for some people. But they're not wrong colored skin for Jesus. Amen. Amen. I had a unique church. I had independent Baptist preachers come preach in my church all the time. Say, Brother Houston, I've never seen a church like your before. 50% of my church is black people. My best Sunday school teachers are black people. Some of my most separated, godly, holy people in my church were black people. I went to Jefferson City. It's like God sent a magnet on my chest to go to the poor black community and tell them about Jesus Christ. You know what I found about them? Most of them were raised by a godly grandmother who taught them some Bible. And they'd seen Grandma pray, and Grandma had taken them to church. And I found out what I found out the rich people. How hardly shall they that have riches enter in the kingdom of heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. You know what? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you the Bible. God doesn't have too much good to say about rich people. You better read your Bible. And we are not out fishing because we're not going where the fish are. I'd go where those people are hungry. I'll tell you a good way to do it. Before you go out sowing and get on your knees and say, Oh, dear God, you know, I don't really know where to go. I read over there in Acts chapter 8 that you told Philip the Ethiopian to go see the Ethiopian eunuch at Gaza. Dear God, could you tell me where to go? I don't soul in like most people do. I get in my car. 
and I drive around. And while I'm driving, I say, God, please lead me. And I'll start driving. I'll get to a street, and I'll drive down that street. Like the Lord says, drive down this street. I'll drive down that street. I'll drive past this house. It's like the Lord says, stop at that house. I have to have reassurance, Brother Casey, so I'll go around the block. And I go past her again. The Lord says, I told you to stop at that house. I say, God, don't get mad at me, but I really need to have reassurance. I'll walk, go around the block the third time. And God will say, I told you to stop there. And I'll pull over the side of the car, and I'll get out of my car. One day, and this is the honest truth, and everything I say is the honest truth, lest I tell you different, all right? Amen? I got out of my car, and I'm getting ready to walk up to this place. Lord, can we go? And I see this girl's head sticking right here on the screen door. I hate it when people see me coming to the door. I hate it when they're watching me. And then it puts a fear in me, and I think, I feel weird. You know, she's watching me, and I'm sure she's wondering what I'm doing. I walk up to the door, and I say, ma'am, how you doing? I'm Pastor Ted Houston from the Central Baptist Church. The Lord told me to stop by here. She said, my boyfriend came to your church last Wednesday night, and something happened to him, and I want to know what it is. I said, he trusted Christ as Savior, ma'am. Can I show you how? She said, you sure can. And I took the Bible and showed her how to be saved. She trusted Christ as Savior. You need to go where the fish are, where the fish are. You need to find a place where they're biting. I went fishing one time that I enjoyed. My uncle took me fishing at Cheney Lake. And every time he put a bait on my hook, I threw it in. As soon as it hit the water, I caught a fish and I reeled it in. He put a bait on my brothers, the same thing. And my uncle didn't do any fishing that day. All he did was keep putting bait on each one of our hooks and taking fish off our hook. We were there about 20 minutes. We walked away with our limit of fish. And I said, this is wonderful. I like this kind of fishing. I like that kind of soul winning too, but it doesn't happen all the time. But you find a place where the fish are, keep going. Just keep going. Number three, a good fisherman keeps at it even when the fish aren't biting. That's what distinguishes a good fisherman from me. My dad will keep fishing even if they're not biting. We got a guy in our church named Bob Black, and I go fishing with him. And, and every time I go, they're not biting. And I say, well, let's go. No, 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 no. We've got to stay here and go fishing. We've got to stay here and go fishing. A good fisherman stays at it even when the fish aren't biting. Number five, a good fisherman will use good bait. A good fisherman, good, good bait. The bait is the gospel, amen? You haven't gone fishing if you haven't given the gospel. And what you're trying to do is give them the gospel. It's the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. It's wonderful to invite folks to church. I'm for that. Go do that. But you know what? If they're going to get saved and we're going to really catch men, we have got to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not very difficult. I'm a sinner. Christ died for my sins, was, born, was, was buried, and rose again for my justification. And if I accept Jesus Christ into my heart as my Savior, I shall have eternal life. It's very simple. I love C. Sumner Wimp. He taught us this. Take a track. God uses tracks, do you? Dear sir, let me just give you something good to read. This just tells you how to go to heaven. Are you sure if you die tonight, you're going to heaven? See how quickly that was done? See how quickly that was done? In less than 15 seconds, I got a gospel track in his hand. I told him to tell him how to go to heaven, and I asked him the question, if you die tonight, are you going to heaven? Just that quick. Just that quick. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. It takes some courage. It takes some boldness. Number six, a good fisherman always keeps his equipment in order and repair. He's prepared to catch fish. You've got to be prepared. God uses tracks, do you? See, Sumner Wimp said that he learned this little technique 
uh, he, he was he loved to pitch, pick up hitchhikers back in the day when that was safe. I wouldn't suggest you do it anymore, but he loved to pick up hitchhikers. He especially loved to pick up sailor boys down in Pensacola, Florida. And one day he was driving along, and a sailor boy was walking down the road, and he was late for somewhere, and he knew he didn't have time to pick him up and take him where he needed to go or talk to him about the Lord. He said he learned this technique. If a sailor boy was on the right side of the road as he was driving down here, he could hold the track up over the top of the car as high as he could. He'd slow down to a certain speed. He'd toss it up in the air like that, and the track would fly over here and fall down on the feet on that shoulder in front of the person. If a person was over here on the left side of the road across this two-lane highway, he'd hold the track down here real low, and he'd throw it like this, and it would fly over here, and it would land on this side. And so he, he, and he would said, I would throw those out, and then I would always pray, Lord, please help him to get it. And one day he was driving down the road, and there was a sailor over here hitchhiking, had his thumb out. And he slowed down, kind of pulled over the side of the road, stuck his hand out like this, and did this. And just as so he looked in his mirror, he saw that sailor pick up his bag, get ready to come get in the car. And then all of a sudden, he drove off, sped up, and he saw the sailor kind of stop, dejected. And he saw the sailor look down and reach down, pick that up, and he said, Lord, help him get it. He was at a pastor's conference in Carolina, and a young man got up. They wanted to let him get his testimony. He got up and he said, uh, I just got out of the Navy, and about a year ago, I was walking down a highway in Pensacola, Florida. This guy pulled over and slowed down like he was going to pick me up and give me a ride. And instead, he threw something out of the window, and it came rolling out of the window at my feet. And I reached down, and I looked at it, and it was a gospel track from a church, and he said, I cussed him. I just cussed him and cussed him and cussed him. He said, I don't know why. I stuck that track in my pocket. He said, that night when I got back to the, back to the barracks there, I, I was t- taking my clothes off and get everything, and I pulled that thing out of my pocket, and I looked at that thing, and he said, I don't know why, but I sat down on my bunk, and I read that thing, <laughs> and I read about Jesus Christ, and I got on my knees right there, and I prayed and asked Christ to save me. I went down the road to a Baptist church, because that's what it said on the back of there. I told the preacher what happened, and I got baptized and started going to church there. God's called me to preach, and I'm going to be a missionary. And, 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 that, and, and that's how I got saved. I'm going to be a missionary. Sumner Wimp got, went up to him after the meeting. He said, son, where did that happen in Pensacola, Florida? Do you remember what date it was? He said, on such and such a date at such and such a place. He said, son, I'm the one that threw the track out. <laughs> they embraced in a big hug. And he said, thank you for throwing that track at me. I'm so mad at you, but I'm so glad you did that. You've got to be prepared. You ought to have tracks in your pocket or your purse all the time. You'll never know when the Holy Ghost is going to tell you to give them one. You've got to be prepared. Let me give you this. A fisherman's ability is not enough. Yeah, I've known some good fishermen, and this is not the ability. The fish have got to be biting. There's got to be certain conditions. The Holy Ghost has prepared somebody for us to lead them to Christ. And I say this? You have entered in on other men's labors. I love these preacher boys, these young preacher boys. They go out and build this big church, and they brag about themselves. And I want to say to them, you know what, son? Before you led any of them to Christ, some mother told them about Jesus. Some Sunday school teacher told them about Jesus. Some preacher preached to them about Jesus. Somebody planted. Somebody watered. You just happened to have the blessing to one day come in and do the reaping. Amen? If you don't always catch somebody, you can always put out the seed, and you can always water. A good fisherman... Let me give you this next one, and I'll be done. The next two, uh, the next three. A good fisherman tries different methods. I don't think there's only one way to be a soul winner. Amen? Let me give you four. Your testimony. I already talked about that. The takeoff. What's a takeoff? The reason 
It's when you get an opportunity to talk about eternity. I'll give you an example. I was coaching Osage City, Kansas when Bear Bryant died. Bear Bryant died. I came out for practice, and when I came out there, they were in a big group talking to one of my assistant coaches, and one of the kids said, Coach, did you hear? I said, did I hear what? Bear Bryant died today. I said, yeah, I wonder where he's at right now. What do you mean, Coach? I said, I wonder if he's in heaven or hell right now. You see, I had a takeoff. I had an opportunity. The boy I led to Christ, you know how that came about? Two young men from Burlingame, Kansas, were riding on a motorcycle, an 18 and a 16-year-old. They were leaving Osage City, Kansas, to go to Burlingame, Kansas, and the guy driving it pulled out around a car on a hill, and a car came up over the hill and hit him head on, and both of them went out to an eternity. And this boy came to my house riding his bike. I was out in the yard mowing my yard, and he came up and he said, Coach, did you hear about those two boys that got hit on that motorcycle and got killed? I said, Yeah. I wonder if they're in heaven right now. Takeoff. Testimony, takeoff. Tracks. God uses tracks to you. And the last thing is just try. Just try. You know, I couldn't win anybody to Christ until I tried to. I'm no great soul winner, but if you're going to be a fisherman, and number 10, successful fisherman always draws the net. It doesn't do you good to tell somebody about Jesus and then not get them to say this question, wouldn't you like to accept Christ as your Savior now? That's called drawing the net. You know, I was told George I lost that catfish. You know, I told him if you had got the net out there, we wouldn't have lost him. <laughs> Not my fault. I reeled him in, got him to the bank. How's come you didn't draw the net, buddy? Always draw the net. Don't leave people hanging. You know, you'll let them get away. Now, now you pray that prayer when you get home. Probably not going to happen because then cometh the devil. Get them to make a decision. And lastly, I want to say a true fisherman loves fishing. We should love soul winning. If we have truly become fishers of men, we should love it. It should be something we, we just have a love, a passion for. There's more rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth than over the ninety and nine just people that need no repentance. Jesus came to save that which was lost. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I didn't decide to be a fisher of men. I didn't want to be a fisher of men. But my God kept working on me until he made me a fisher of men. I'm just telling you, dear friend, God wants to do that in your life. I hope. I may never come back here again, and that's fine, whatever God leads, but I'm gonna, I hope that you'll never look at people outside this church without a passion and a burden for them. Curtis Hudson said he used to drive down the street, down the road, and every time a car met him, he'd say, I wonder if that person's going to heaven or hell. I wonder if that person's going to heaven or hell. I wonder if that person's going to heaven or hell. That's how you get a burden for souls. Quit thinking about all this other stuff and ask yourself, is that person going to heaven or hell? Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, 
you know, I'm no, nothing and I didn't do a good job tonight, but the Holy Ghost is good and the Word is good. The Lord, truth of the matter is, you're pleased about a lot of things in our life, but you cannot be pleased if we're not winning souls for you. You can't be as pleased with us as you want to be. I want to be a better soul winner. Would you help me? And Lord, would you speak to our hearts and would you help us not to resist, to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit? Would you help us to get to the altar submissively, humbly, and just cry out to you to meet the need that we have tonight? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Your heads are bowed.